0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Absolutely great time of worship together this morning. And uh, be hard for me to lead you to a better place than at the foot of the cross. It's where life tends to take its greatest perspective. So. I want to welcome you to church this morning. I know that Kevin did earlier, but uh, for those of you who snuck in after Kevin uh, welcomed you, let me pass along my welcome. My name is Ron, and uh, if I didn't get a chance to meet you on the way in, and this is your first time here, I would uh, love to be able to pass along my own greetings to you. As you leave this morning, I'll be hanging out in the lobby afterwards. Are you excited to be at church this morning? Me too. Me too. This is, uh, this is my last day to be in my 50s. I know, thank you. I appreciate the sympathy and the, and the moans of misery and so forth. And, uh, uh, but, you know, I got to thinking about it. I couldn't, I couldn't think of a greater place to spend my last day in this decade of my life than with uh, my family and friends in this community of faith. So uh, I hope you're here for a great time this morning of learning and uh, we're going to jump into that in just a few minutes. Um, I have an announcement to make that is really big news for our community of faith. And uh, you're going to hear some buzz going around over the next few weeks. And the buzz is a bond offering that the church is, is uh, putting in place. And I'll see if I can take three minutes and just sort of draw everybody up to speed on what that looks like. Um, A little over two years ago, we moved into this this building and uh, we took out a sizable mortgage to do that. And um, so this is the next phase in a long-term financial plan. And the great thing is we're going to be replacing a significant portion of that mortgage with bonds. And uh, the real advantage, there are actually many advantages to that, but right away, we're going to take... Eight and a half percent loan uh, that is our mortgage, and we 're going to reduce a chunk of that to a significantly less percentage rate than eight and a half percent, so that means we will be better stewards of the resources that God has given us it on the flip side of that that 's not only good for sort of the church, the big church as a whole, but the bonds are actually a great investment for us individually because. Uh, if you have money in a 401k or if you have money in um, any sort of a retirement vehicle in an IRA or so forth, the actual interest rate that we're going to be paying on those bonds more than likely is going to be significantly higher than what you're getting right now. So it's a great investment for people in the church. It's great for the church further It allows us to begin to retire our debt and pay our principal. Up to this point, we've been paying interest only. So starting in October, we're going to actually start retiring our mortgage note. And I'm very, very excited about that. And then last of all, it makes a whole lot more sense to pay interest to ourselves than it does to the bank. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. So if, if you hear buzz over the next several weeks about that, that's what that's about. If you have any questions, you can come and talk to me afterwards. But uh, uh, I'm very excited to be able to announce that to us this morning. Also, um, for those of you who have been participating and still are in The Great Adventure, if you don't know what that is, well, that's all right, just kind of hang tight. We'll, we'll move on in a minute. But for those of you who are part of The Great Adventure uh, boy, what you are doing and have been doing has been just a wonderful blessing in this bridge. And uh, we'll, we're, we'll wrap that up in May. But I want to pass on to you my own personal thanks for the way that you know, many of you, you know, over the last three years have stepped up and said yes. Um, and you made additional pledges. And uh, it has been, I can tell you this without the great adventure, um, life would look a lot different around here. It would be a lot tougher. So uh, that's my kudos to you uh, who have been such a vital part of that and remain such a vital part of that. So um, there's our community business. Now I want to talk to you about families because that's, uh, that's the real subject for the morning. And if you want to take your programs and open up your programs, pull out the teaching notes that look like this, Uh, You can fill in the blanks as we go along. You see there's a chart on the back. We're going to learn a lot of really fun stuff this morning. I want you to pull out one other thing. And actually, this one I don't want you to pull out of your programs because it's blank on the back side. So on the chair where you are, there should be a a little information sheet that looks like this. If you'll get that ready, I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit later this morning. Now let me tell you why, especially in this community of faith, I am really excited to be able to talk about family because we have a number of groups of people here this morning. We have some people who are sort of, who are college and post-college age who are not married yet, but you know, as I interact with you and and as I listen to the chit-chat that's out there, I am blessed and encouraged that many of you have said I'm not just out there playing the dating game, seeing you know, how good a, uh, seeing what I can sort of bag out there on the market. I, I am interested in choosing a mate along the values that I'm learning in the Bible, because I realize that the first step in building a family is choosing a mate. And I want to do it right. That's awesome. We have a lot of young families in the church who are uh, having babies and raising small children. And many of you, I'm just so encouraged and inspired because, you know, some people have children and they go, this is kind of cool, it's like a living toy here. And, And they don't know that what they're holding, that little child has the power of life and death all wrapped up in it. And it is your wonderful privilege and responsibility to raise that child so that child ministers life to people around it. And I'm inspired because you are taking that job seriously uh, and you're learning and you're studying and you're growing and developing in your skills as parents. We have another group of people here who are parents of teenagers Isn't that fun? Yeah. Because your children are right at that transition where when they're small, they want to please mom and dad, right? When they get older, they don't care, right? And in fact, they have gone from wanting to please mom and dad to actually trying to learn how to grow up and be mom and dad. That's a huge transition. But I'm so encouraged because many of you have said, I'm actually willing to swim against the flow of our culture. I'm looking at our culture and I'm seeing that our culture has failed the coming generation in many ways. And I don't want to participate in that. I want to be part of the group of people that turn that around and I can turn it around in my own home. Then I'm looking at a group of people who are aunties and uncles and grandparents. And you are saying, I want to move past just being the candy dish to my grandkids or to my nieces and nephews. I want to occupy a place of spiritual influence and training in their lives. Sure, I've got the candy dish. They're going to get the candy. But they're going to get something far more substantive when they're with me. Now, you know what all that means? What that means is, You're ready to learn, and that means you're ready to listen. Am I right about that? Yeah, and that makes it fun to talk. So let's take a look at at the subject matter that we have. Last week we talked about the very first investment. If we're going to move beyond being ordinary families to that realm of extraordinary families, the first investment we're going to have to make is we're going to have to take family from somewhere down here and put it right at the top of the list. We're going to put family first, and we're going to do that primarily by dealing with our own selfishness. First, training our children for unselfishness, and we're going to begin to feature the family meal. How many of you had fun with a family meal this week? Yeah, that was fun, huh? What were the three things? It has to be around the family table. The second one everyone has to be there. And I know you remember the third one. What was the third one? All electronic devices have to be shut off. Now we're ready. So today we're going to talk about investment number two, and that is we will be a family of faith. Now right away, um, I need to deal with something just sort of head on because we, after all, we live in the North Bay. And in the North Bay, there is this prevailing attitude. I I hear it everywhere I go. And sometimes, even in the church, I hear parents say, you know, I'm not going to make a faith decision for my children. I'm going to let them make that decision after they grow up because I don't want to warp them in any particular direction. And I tell you, look at the screen. Here's principle number one. Being a family of faith doesn't mean we're warping our children. Okay? Well, I want to talk to you straight up about this. Do you realize that of all the training you are going to give your children, the only training that actually lasts for eternity is spiritual training. It's the most important training you can give your children. And it's absolutely, number one, a sin. Number two, it's disobedient to God. Number three, it unnecessarily leaves your children vulnerable for you to adopt that attitude that I know on the surface sounds really good and really generous. And, you know, I don't want to force my religion onto my children. Well, I'm going to talk to you this morning about the difference between religion and faith because they are worlds apart. Okay? Number two, it is your God-given responsibility to find out what is spiritually true and teach it to your children. Don't you dare raise them in a sort of spiritually neutral place. It's your job as a parent to find out what is true and teach it to your children and not leave it to them. So that's the first principle. Number two is this. Being a family of faith isn't the same as being a religious family. I realize as I've worked with a lot of even Christian families that when I talk about becoming a family of faith, the first thing that they think of is, by golly, I'm taking my kids to church. Done. Right? We are a family of faith. We go to church. And more than just on Christmas and Easter. I mean, we go. You know, that's what it takes to be a religious family. We're, I'm, I'm going to lay it out as we get toward the end of this teaching. That I'm going to give you a chart that shows you the difference between those two. It is huge. So I, please hear, when I, when I talk to all of us this morning and I challenge us to become families of faith, it's way different than just being a religious family. So how are we going to do that? Well, Jesus gives us some great insight when he's teaching. And so we're going to go to the teachings of Jesus, and we're going to learn a, a principle from Jesus, and we're going to learn a principle from Moses. So let's to start with the principle from Jesus. Here in Luke chapter 13, Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed. I want you to circle and underline the word seed. That's a really important one. It's like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. The second word I want you to underline is the word garden. And in Luke 17, Jesus returns to that theme later on and says, If you have faith, even as small as a mustard what? Seed. seed, He went on to say, you could, and then he lists several things that you could do. Now, what I want you to see is that Jesus draws a parallel between faith and seeds. And I want to help us understand what that means. Because in order to become a family of faith, we have to understand what faith is. And Jesus said that there's a correlation between faith and seeds. And and so let me give you three or four principles about that. Number one, faith is like a seed in that in a seed, only God can put life in it. You know, if you and I would make a plastic seed that looked like a real corn, uh, you can go down. You can go to Safeway and buy candy corn, correct? (laughs) Love candy corn, by the way. But you can go down to Safeway and buy candy corn, go home and put it in your garden. What's going to happen? You will feed the moles. But you will not have corn. Because the truth is, only God can put life in the seed. Now listen to me carefully. The faith that you are going to transfer to your children needs to be a living faith. Are you on board with that? And if the faith that you transfer to your children and train your children in is going to work, it's going to have to have life in it, and who's going to put the life in it? You or God? God. You cannot put life in a seed. Only God can. Secondly, Faith is like a seed. Here's something else we know about a seed. In order for a seed to grow, it has to be planted. Correct? You can't just hold it in the bag and say, well, I've got a whole bag of corn seed here. In about three months, I'm going to come and pick corn out of that bag. No, that's why the second word that you underlined was the word garden. It, it's it's key in more ways than one. And the truth is, <clears throat> until the seeds of faith are actually planted In your child's heart, they can't grow. So third way in which faith and seeds are alike. In order for a seed to grow, you actually have to plant it in the right culture or environment. Notice where the farmer planted his seed, he planted it in the garden. He didn't plant it on the road. It's not going to grow very well there. Because in order for a seed to grow, the culture around it, the environment, the surroundings have to be right. Now listen to this. Here's the principle that comes out of this once we understand this. And that is, in order to be a family of faith, we have to create a culture in our family that plants the seeds of faith and nurtures them to full development. That's so important. It's important enough that I want to ask you to read it out loud with me. Ready? Let's read it together. In order to be a family of faith, we must create a culture in our family that plants the seeds of faith and effectively nurtures them into full development. You think you can do that by bringing your kids to church on Sunday morning? What do you think? No, that's a culture at church. That's not a culture in your home. You think you can do that by bringing your kids to youth group during the week? What do you think? No, those, those are really important things to do. But what will determine more than anything else whether the faith that, that, that you're trying to impart to your children actually grows and develops and bears fruit in their life will be far more determined by the culture of your home than it will be by the culture in the church. So how do we do that? Well, that's where we go and consult Moses. Because God said to Moses, Moses, I want you to tell my people this. It is the most important thing in the entire Old Testament. Did you know that? Jewish scholars, the, the passage I'm going to take you to, Jewish scholars for centuries recognized it as the pivotal passage in the Old Testament. So here we go. Let's read it. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Jesus himself identified that as the most important commandment in all of Scripture. Okay? So we're right here. and he, Now how are we going to do that? He goes on to say and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Here's how you do it. Repeat them again and again to your children. How am I going to do that? Here it is. Talk about them when you are at home, and when you're on the road, and when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house. That's Christian graffiti right there. You know what he's saying? He's not saying that you necessarily have to get out, you know, your Sharpie and start decorating the woodwork of your house. But you know what he's saying? Here it is. We're going to give it to you in one statement. Creating a culture of faith is the result of what we talk about in everyday life. Not where we take our children on Sunday morning. Friends, if there's any message I could get you about family, this one would be the most important one. Do you realize the power of your everyday life? By the way, that's why one of the great things about the family meal and the family table is you have the opportunity not only to plant the seeds of faith there, but to nurture them and grow them. And your children have the opportunity to get out this, this new faith that they have and these seeds of faith. And, and, you know, if you ever have a kid and you plant a seed in a little, you know, in, in a little pot, and what do you tell them? We're going to put this in the ground. We're going to put water over it. And you wait and see a little plant is going to start to come up. You do that with your kids, right? Or you did that with your kids? Sure. What do those kids do? Every day they run, pick it up, and go, I don't see anything. Right? Because they're getting out their seeds. They're checking on the progress of their seeds. And when that little seed begins to germinate, it first pokes its head through the ground. If you're not careful, the kid will go, Look at this. He grew. No, no, no. Now it won't grow anymore, right? Right? because kids love to check on the progress of their seeds. Guess what? When you put the seeds of faith in their heart, they love to check on the progress of their own faith. You got the TV on all the time. You got them on their iPods all the time. You let them just play with their with their game video games all the time. If something's always going. You kids never have the time to check on their seeds of faith. That's why what did Moses say? Talk about this once in a while at home. What did he say? Talk about this all the time. If you went to somebody's home and they were talking about faith When they were at home and you rode with them in the car and they were talking about faith when you rode with them in the car and, and, and you were there when they got up in the morning and they were talking about faith when they got up in the morning and you were there at night when they were putting their kids to bed and they were talking about faith when they put the kids to bed and you look and they had tattoos on their hands and you said, what's that? Oh, that's a, that's my favorite verse of faith. So I wear it every day. I've got it right here tied on my hands. What's that on your forehead? Oh, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, right? Yeah. And you go to their house and you look and they got Sharpies and they've written on it. You would say, I think these people believe in Jesus. What do you think? Now, he's not necessarily saying tattoo your forehead. But friends, I want you to get this. He's, he's giving you pictures of your everyday life. And you have the opportunity to create in your home, not at church, in your home, a culture of faith. Now, there's a world of difference between a family that has a culture of faith and a religious family. Let's walk through this chart. On the left, a religious family... Praise to God. But a family that has a culture of faith doesn't emphasize so much praying to God as they teach their children and they themselves are interested in being with God in prayer. Is there a difference between those two? It's the difference, friends, between reciting a memorized prayer that somehow makes you feel religious and actually being with God. There's nothing sinful about a memorized prayer, but I want you to get the idea. Later this week, Monica and I are going to celebrate 40 years of marriage. So, yeah, that's a great thing. Very few people could put up with me for 40 years, so when you see her, you can pass that along. But I I have an idea that Monica wouldn't take very kindly to it if I memorized a a phrase that said, you are the love of my life and I will love you forever. It's a great phrase. But you know, if I got her every day and I sat her down and I looked at her and I said, I just want to say this to you again, you are the love of my life and I will love you forever. Okay, I'm good. Let's go oh yeah, I'm in a hurry this morning. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You are the love of my life and I love you forever. I'm out of here. You know, if we would never talk to our mates that way because we know that doesn't work. There's a world of difference between saying a prayer to God and being with God in prayer. On the left, a religious family emphasizes going to church. On the right, A culture of family with a culture of faith emphasizes meeting with God every day. On the left, a religious family emphasizes keeping the rules. Oh man, you got to obey the commandments, or you know it's going to be hot where you're going. On the right, a family with a culture of faith emphasizes actually loving God, not just keeping the rules. On the left, a religious family prays about decisions. Oh, i got a big decision to make. I better pray about this. Oh, I better call the pastor and have the pastor pray about this too. On the right, a family with a culture of faith doesn't just pray about big decisions. That, that family emphasizes sharing all of life with God. On the left, a religious family is going to join a life group. I mean, it's the right thing to do. The whole church is doing it. It's expected of me, and I suppose it would be good for me. So, okay, I'll get the catalog. I'll join a group. On the right, a family with a culture of faith says, I want to grow in Christ. I'm going to select a life group that will challenge me to my core, and I'm going to go there every single time because I wouldn't want to miss. Why? Because it's like growth pills. Yeah. Changes my life. On the left... A religious family will help those in need because it's the charitable thing to do. On the right, um, the, the, the family with a culture of faith is far more interested in actually blessing God through what they do than just serving in a ministry, even if it's at New Life because everyone here should serve. No, let's bless God while we serve. Let's do this in the context of serving God and blessing him. Now, I want to teach you two general principles that come out of this before we get into our application time. Okay? First principle, and boy, I want you to hear this loud and clear. Religious families tend to struggle. Okay? They, they just struggle. They struggle even to be religious, and I'll show you how that works in a minute. While families with a culture of faith thrive. You know, if you're saying, oh my goodness, I know it's good for me to go to church. I should go to church. I tend to feel better when I go to church. I don't know, I just have more peace when I go to church. You'll get to church about twice a month. And that's about all you get here. Because, you you know, you you, you will find yourself waking up on Sunday morning going, should we go to church or should we not? Oh man, we missed last Sunday. We better go this Sunday. A whole different mindset. Because when the goal is sort of to fit the religious formula, you're just going to struggle. You could go right on down the list in that chart, you'll struggle to stay in ministry. When it comes to life group, you get to life group half to two-thirds of the time because you're not really going there to grow. You're not really growing there because you're really hungry for a deeper sense of God's presence in your life. You're not really going there to meet with God. You're going to the life group because everybody at New Life goes to a life group. And it's good for you. Because you haven't created even in your own life and heart the culture of faith. Where you're taking the seeds of faith that God has given you and you're planting them in your own heart, and you are now nurturing them and, and, and creating a culture in your own life where they can grow and thrive and flourish and bear fruit. Yeah, see what I've learned in life? Go back to your chart and look at the left column. When you make the choice to be a religious family, you will struggle to do even the left column very well, and you won't ever venture into the right column. But the interesting thing is, when you decide to create a culture of faith in your own life, and in your family, you will not only do the right side, but you will do the left side naturally. When somebody wants to grow, and they really want to develop Man, church attendance is no problem. Their deal is, man, if the church is meeting, I'm there. Why wouldn't I be there? Because I have this desire to meet with God. If I have this opportunity to meet with God and meet with God's family, why would I pass that up for anything other than absolute necessities? Yeah. It's amazing what happens when you focus on the right column, which is the culture of faith. The left column takes care of itself. Now... Even more importantly than that, I want to give you principle number two. Here it is. Religious families often raise children who are bitter and they wander from the faith. While families that have a culture of faith tend to raise children who not only embrace faith, but they actually build on their parents' faith. Which one do you want to be? You want to be the latter, don't you? Often people come to me and say, you know, I I had my parents forced religion onto me and I got bitter about it and I couldn't wait to get out of there and I don't want to do that to my kids. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, most of you, many of you I know, a lot of you I don't, but many of you I know. And the story that I hear that's common to many of you is it was sort of forced on me as a kid. And so when I got to be in high school or college, I I split the religious scene. And then somewhere in my late 20s or 30s, or some of us who were kind of late bloomers, figured it out in our 40s or 50s, said, you know, I'm kind of hollow and empty. I, I I miss that concept of faith. I better go back to church. And you went back to the church that you were raised in, and all of a sudden you remembered all the reasons why you left there. Right? And eventually somebody led you here. And, and so uh, I want to teach you how you can keep your children from going through that same process. Okay? And what I'm going to say to you next is, it has more to do with those of you who have small children, okay? Because before I tell you what to do, I want to tell you that if you already have teenagers and you have raised them to be teenagers without creating a culture of faith in your home, do not go home like a religious Hitler and lay down the law. We are going to be a family of faith. Pack your bags, are going to church every Sunday, got it? Because you will automatically make your kids bitter. Okay? So don't hear me saying that. But here's what I do want to teach you. Number one, you have to develop a culture of faith in your own life. Okay? And this is where we're going to move into the application zone. So the very first point in the application zone is spiritually growing parents. Here's the truth. Spiritually growing kids... are raised by spiritually growing parents. Now, I want you to hear me again because I'm going to say it different this time. Spiritually growing children are not raised by spiritually grown parents. If you're done growing, forget creating a culture of faith in your home. You will make bitter children. It's just that simple. You have to be growing spiritually yourself because then you will create a climate of spiritual growth in your home. Your children need to see you fresh and growing and excited about what you're learning. And they need to hear you talk about what God is challenging you in in your life right now. And they need to to hear about victories that you have recently won. Spiritually growing children are raised by what? spiritually growing parents. I want to to give our community a way to do this. And I want you to pull out this little card from um, from your programs. September the 11th. Is that a famous day? It is in our country, isn't it? Well, you know something? September the 11th is going to be a very special day in this church. We're going to launch a brand new teaching series called something like what is it, Room, Bad Dates, Roommates, and Soulmates, something like that. And we're Yes, and we're going to be talking about how to develop healthy relationships in life. It's, it's going to be a great teaching series, but we're going to kick it off on September the 11th with a Sunday in which uh, I want to challenge all of us to do this, and this will help us to grow spiritually in my own life. I've already started praying, God, would you give me five divine appointments? between now and September the 11th, would you intentionally cross my path with the path of somebody who needs God and is ready to seek Him? And God, would you do me the favor of allowing me to be the person who gets to invite them to come to a Sunday that will change their life? You can hear more about that over the coming weeks. But September the eleventh is a great Sunday. What I want to challenge you to do now, parents, what I want to challenge you to do two things: take this card and begin praying over it, and ask God to give you five people he 'll start laying names on your mind and when and when you 're past cross you 'll recognize that so uh, we have these in the back, and uh, you 're going to be able to get them they 're going to be Passed out to you, our ushers will stand back there and they'll pass out as many as you need. We've only put one in your program, so Dad and Mom, you can fight over which one of you gets the one in the program. The other one needs to stop by and get one from the ushers. But here's what else I want you to do if your children are old enough to participate, even if they're as young as five or six, pick up a card for them and begin to teach them how to pray for five people in their life that they could invite to church on that sunday yeah they will step up to the plate like you can not imagine they'll probably do it better than you do okay spiritually growing families here's application point number two family ministry i will look for ways to this week to bring my family together in ministry okay i taught you the first one spiritually growing children are raised by what spiritually growing parents. All right, here's another one. The family that serves together grows together. Very true. This is an untapped resource in many Christian families. Parents never think about inviting their children to work in ministry with them. Find a ministry that you can be involved in and bring your children along. My parents did that for me. We did that with our children. and It was huge in their growth and development. It was part of creating that culture in which those seeds of faith could grow and thrive and bear fruit. Third, family devotions. Okay? So, oh, man, I don't know how to lead family devotions. I can point you to some resources. So if you want, if you want some resources on how to have family devotions... Uh, on the back side of your connect card in the app in the place where you can apply in fact let's pull that out right now i'll help you with that on the back side of this card there's a place that said apply today's teaching by and then down below that there's a place to submit a prayer request or or um an answered prayer in one of those blanks down there simply write resources for family devotions. And we'll get you pointed in the right direction because one of the greatest things you can do with your family meal is to combine it with family devotions. Because now you're not only building relationships, connecting with your children relationally, you're actually helping to grow and develop them spiritually. I want to give you one other resource, um, and that's this card that I ask you to take, uh, that I ask you to get from your chair. Okay, this is uh, if you've ever heard of purpose-driven life. This DVD series is taught by the same guy, Rick Warren. Okay, it's it's uh, it's a great series. If you look on the back side of it, it will tell you all the things that it's, that are going to be covered. It's three DVDs. The whole series you can get for for fourteen ninety nine. We did a little research. In fact, we ordered one for the church. By the time you add tax and shipping, it comes out to $19 exactly on the button. Now hear me, you cannot take your family to the movies for 19 bucks. Am I right? You can't take them to McDonald's for 19 bucks. So make an investment in your family. It's a great investment. And by the way, if you don't know what to do for family devotions, if your children are older, this might be a good thing to sit down and look at together in segments. And the last thing as we close. It's important that you know that you cannot become a family of faith until you become a follower of Christ. It's impossible. You cannot take your children someplace you're not going yourself. So I want to invite you to do that as well. Would you join me in prayer? Father, would you be with my family and friends and the people of our community as we respond to you now? Would you show us how to make these commitments to live them out in our homes that we might have wonderful homes where children grow up and their faith is strong and it's vibrant and it's living and it's active. Not because they've been prejudiced that way, but because they understand the truth and they're just living in it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.